Evening, everyone. Nice to be with you. Any questions tonight? Yes. Um, I've heard from you that um, all of Krishna's ages are present in this uh, Kishore age. Um, is that in the same way as uh, aspects of all the rasas are present in Madhurya rasa, or is it is it uh, actually there? Mm-hmm. It said that Krishna appears as a Nitya Kishore in the Deva Leela. Deva Leela means the Aprakat Leela, the unmanifest Leela, uh, whereas the manifest Leela is referred to as the Nara Leela. Nara means human, so uh, the Leela that's played out on the human stage, as I've said on other occasions, when a movie is played or filmed on location, it's thought to have an extra um, added um, plus to a feature. Um, so the fullness, then, in the one sense, of the Naralila, and because of its uh, fullness in terms of its being human-like and played out in a human setting, it's arguably uh, sweeter. It's said that the sadhakas desire to attain the Goloka, to uh, the Aprakat Lila, and those in the Aprakat Lila desire to appear in the Prakat Lila. Actually, they're 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 one in that the the what fuels these Lila's, what makes them go around, are the feelings, the bhavas, the sentiments, and so they're present fully in each. But in the Prakat Lila, arguably, they can be played out more. For example. Mother Yasoda can have a child, have, 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 give birth to a child, whereas in a Aprakat Leela, he's a Nitya Kishore. That said, Kishore is the full um, development of Bhagawan. So certain qualities of Bhagawan are not present in his Kishore, in his, in his Kumar um, feature that is so attractive to Vatsalya Rasa. In his Poganda age, from five to typically um, uh, then there are other developments and in the Kishore he's then a budding uh, adolescent and uh, um, mature uh, so to speak um, and in Aprakat Leela as I'm saying he's a Nitya Kishore so he only appears as a Kishore but at the same time yes all the ages are Eternal, they're eternally manifest, and they're all, in one sense, within his his Kishore um, um, age. They're eternally manifest in the least in that they are manifest in the hearts of the devotees who contemplate them in various um, sentiments. So, the Kumar Leela will be very um, attractive, and the qualities that Krishna exhibits at that age as well to those in Vatsalya Rasa. There's a, there's a, a, a considerable uh, dispensation of Vatsalya Rasa, or a window of opportunity into that 
um, uh, sentiment and uh, and uh, corresponding lila that has been opened by Balabacharya, who was a contemporary of Mahaprabhu, and according to Bhakti Ratnakar, which is a bit of a historical book reflecting back on Gaur Lila, and Mahaprabhu blessed him to preside uh, over his own group, even while, in a larger sense, Balabha is within the, the Vishnu Swami Sampradaya. So, anyway, in his group there's a prominent um, emphasis on Vatsalya Rasa. So, this group has also been referred to by Rupa Goswami after he um, explains Vaiti Bhakti in his section on, on sadhana, and then after he explains, explains Rag Bhakti to finish that section on sadhana, which is the second chapter uh, of his um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, first part, second chapter. Um, at the end of each of those sections, he references the Balava Sampradaya by way of invoking the terms Mariada and Pushti, which he says are different terms for the Gaudiya terms Vaidhi, which means Bhakti that's uh, rendered uh, or pursued out of the motive of, uh, a dutiful motive, I should say. And um, so Mariada and Vaidhi, they go together and Pushti, and um, um, rag, which would be a pursuit of the ideal that is driven by taste, by feeling. And so those are big subjects, of course, but my point is that he defers, or refers, I should say, to um, uh, Balabha Sampadaya by invoking these two terms that are uh, correspond have a correspondence with uh, the, the Vaidhi and the Raghunuga Bhakti, Sadhana Bhakti. Um, so, um, he's saying, uh, there's a window to Vatsalya Rasa, go over here. Hmm. Um, it's not a window that's particularly opened by the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Each of the Sampradayas has their own uh, Siddhanta, um, interpretation of the scriptures, their tattva, the ground, if you will, on which they're, out of which they're, the bhava that corresponds with that tattva arises. So we shouldn't ignore the tattva because bhava arises out of the ground of a particular tattva, just as an, as an aside. So in the Bhava Sampradaya, then this is an example of a lineage that opens a window of opportunity for practitioners to enter into Vatalya Rasa. It's a different lineage. Hmm? And the Kumar Leela of Krishna is very um, attractive there to them. That's this, uh, and the qualities, as I say, that correspond with Krishna's Kumar Leela. And Sakirasa, which is uh, a, a window of opportunity which is open through Nityananda Prabhu in Gaudiya Sampradaya, is, of course, um, um, very much um, a, 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 I should say, an Udipana, and a stimulus for the Sakirasa, if you will, is a, is the age of Poganda, so the boyhood of Krishna. And um, as that boyhood reaches, star, starts to the end, the Sesh Poganda, the end of the Poganda Leela, hmm, this is very attractive to then the, those, those um, in Sakyarasa who have some inclination to participate 
and serve Krishna in the context of his romantic life, assist him, him and Radha and so forth. And then, and of course, the Kishore Leela is the full, fully developed um, um, adolescence of Krishna that is obviously, if we just look at these things in relation to human experience, they're easy to understand. Um, um, it is uh, uh, the object of uh, love um, at Kishore age, Krishna in the Kishore age, for uh, Shingarasa or romantic love. Hmm. Uh, sometimes termed Madhurya, explanation for which is given by Kabiraj Baswami, because it's sweet, we call it Madhurya, he says. <laughs> so um, the formal name in Indian aesthetics is Shingarasa. Hmm. So at any rate, you have. And you have, of course, as I've said before, these three centers of the Bhagavatam. Krishna has three identities. He is the son of Nanda Yashoda. He number one. Number two, he is a coward boy. This is his identity. Three, he is the lover of of Radha, Gopi Janabalaba. Hmm. The lover of the gopis. He's here is three identities. And there are three centers in the Bhagavatam in the tenth canto, which is the center of the Bhagavatam, focused on these uh, uh, three identities, the corresponding leelas, qualities are described, and these are really windows of opportunity if you're connected with the right lineage to go uh, go through and enter into and and um, so forth. So you have the dominant leela covering several chapters, you have the agasur leela and, um, and the denikasur leela, this is the Sakyarasa Center, and of course you have the Ras Panchajaya, the five chapters of the Rasa Lila for the Madhurya Rasa Sector. Hmm? So, they're all, these ages are all existing, as I say, at all times in the hearts of some devotees uh, who are pursuing these ideals. Um, at the same time, all the ages are present in the Kishore age. That's your question. How is it so? One of the ways that it's so is that um, despite the fact that Krishna is a Nitya Kishore, for example, eternally a Kishore in that Aprakat Leela, Malia Soda sees him from her vantage point. Um, so it's not uncommon, again, to go to our human experience for a mother to um, be in somewhat of some, some denial hmm, as a child starts to become older and want to do things his own way and and um, calls his father for help for certain things which he wouldn't ordinarily do rather than his mother and, and so on. Uh, and she continues to see him as her, as her child. Hmm? Um, and she also sees him as her child fully developed as a Kishore and, and, and all of the the qualities that are present there. But you can still see his Kumar self, if you will, inside that, similarly with the Poganda. So it's a kind of a subjective angle of vision. Uh, in another sense, and this is um, um, how you were thinking about it, hmm, there is a development. So you have aspects, um, and you gave the example, Rupa gives the example of the elements, so so it is with the rasas. So in Sakya, in in, in Shantaras, we have uh, 
the disinterested nature, hmm? uh, no attachment on the one hand to material things, and attachment to Krishna. These are the qualities of Sakyarasa. Similarly, in sound, there is, or in ether, there is sound. Hmm? So Rupa is giving this example, right? And when you go to Dasyarasa, then the disinterested in material life and the attachment to Krishna is present plus something else. Hmm? And similarly, from sound, we go to, um, from ether, I should say, we go to um, air, and in air, there is sound, and there is touch. And if we go to fire, there is air, there is touch, there is sound, and there is sight. Hmm? And if we go to water, there is sound, sight, touch and taste. And if we go down to earth, there's smell is included as well. So, um, again, and I've said before, that's not to say that to have a handful of earth is the same as having a handful of water. Hmm? So it's, that mean, doesn't mean that if you, have, if you have Madhurya Rasa, for example, compared to the earth, you automatically have Dasya Rasa, Sakya Rasa, Matsalya Rasa. No, you have certain qualities. Hmm? of those rasas that are part of the makeup of your rasa. So, um, if, if, if you are situated in a particular rasa uh, that is, and become attracted to a compatible rasa, hmm, that rasa, that compatible rasa will serve as a stimulus for your own rasa to take it to new, to new heights. Hmm. But um, again, it's, it's a misunderstanding I've, I've run across on the part of a number of devotees. That, uh, to have Madhurya Rasa, you automatically have Sakya Rasa, Vatsalya Rasa. No, it's a thing unto itself. Again, holding water in one hand, if you could, and earth in the other. Uh, they're a different experience, even while earth has certain qualities that water also has, and more. So, relevant to your question and your conjecture, which I'm... Um, um, validating. Hmm. That's another way to look at it, that in the Kishore age there are certain qualities of Krishna and they're present also in his uh, Poganda age and those and more. And those and, and are then present in the, in the Kishore age and, and more. Hmm. So, um, uh, let's take, for example, the guna, the qualities of Krishna. Jiva Goswami, uh, I think he lists A4, maybe in Krishna Sandarbha or, or Prem Priti Sandarbha. And uh, what Rupa Goswami lists 64. In, uh, actually, there's more than 64 that he lists. He cites a Bhagavatam verse with uh, 20 or so. so I, anyway, but the principal qualities, right? And they... And, and certain of these qualities will be um, uh, prominent when we look at Krishna through the lens of Sakyarasa. Other qualities, when we look at him through the lens of uh, Vatsalya Rasa. Other qualities, when we look at him through the lens of Madhurya Rasa. And some, there may be overlapping as, as well. Hmm? Um, but he has all the qualities. Hmm? 
Um, and at all times, although some of them may not be fully expressed, perhaps in his in his in his Kumar age, he speaks many wonderful languages, but he has to start speaking first. <laughs> but he does before the end of the Kumar age. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's a kind of a, a, a composite that uh, the Kishore is is um, everything's there in him, and and we can also then because everything's there in him, we can see his Kumar side in him. We can see his Pogonda side in him relative to our um, orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically thought to be the full some of the qualities may not fully have developed in the Kushore age they're all fully developed so he's even attractive even in his Kushore age to everybody but again so the virtues of the Prakat Leela the manifest Leela especially for Vatali Rasa therefore Kabikarnapur has said in his Nandavrindavan uh, Champu, that the reason for the Prakat Leela, the manifest Leela, is to give Mother Yasoda the chance to fully experience the motherhood <laughs> of the childhood pastimes, giving birth to Krishna and, and so forth. As, as mystical of an idea as, as, as that is, as metaphorical as it is, we have our own um, virgin Yashoda. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Analogous is, is, is birth to the diksha and so forth, as it's often explained. Does that help? Yeah. What else? Yes. Several questions. And the first one I would like to ask how Radharani is jealous about the bodies when Krishna with Chandravali of some deviation. She is jealous and angry to him. Uh, but at the same time, Mr. Shastrasti said that it is her honey to send some goddess to Krishna and also Ananga Manjari. So what is uh, creating this like different opposite visions that sometimes she is jealous about certain goddess and sometimes she is sending goddess to him and even her own sister? She's combining them all for the pleasure of Krishna. So he takes great pleasure in her 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 uh, sulkiness, her jealousy, um, and so forth. And um, so when he wants to taste that, then she manifests that. So everything she does, although there may be apparent opposites or contradictions. Krishna is the king of rasa, so he has uh, an um, appetite for many different tastes, and so accordingly she's uh, facilitating. Hmm. Mostly we find in, in Alila that Radharani makes arrangements for her friends to meet with Krishna. Hmm. So we find that side, that with her friends, those are in her group and related to her, um, she makes arrangements for them to meet with Krishna at times um, for his pleasure. And um, then on the other side, there is this idea of 
competition hmm, um, personified by Chandrawali. And uh, so um, that's a side of the Leela that enables this jealous love to manifest. And so it, it, it needs to be there for the pleasure of Krishna, for Krishna to taste the mana, and of course she tastes it as well. Um, that competition has to be there. Um, without that, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't make arrangements for Chandravali to meet with Krishna. Mm-hmm. If she was doing that, then there could be no man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and her attendants, Padma and Shaibi and so forth, she has her manjuris. And this is just like a, this is just like a, like a peeping through the, the crack of the wall view of the Leela. Just a basic idea, like a table of contents. There are the, there are those supportive, and then there are the, the competitive group. And, and the point of these groups is, is that they serve by their by the arrangement of of the sarup shakti to facilitate that which krishna is rasaraj hmm? and he is that fully in in braj in vrindavan hmm? so all rasaraj means the king of rasa so all the tastes are there so there has to be some opposition Although it may seem, we, we hear Radharani, for example, through the voice of Mahabhu, or we hear um, Mahabhu turn into Radha, so to speak, at the end of Ishikshastakam, hmm, and speak uh, um, in the in the mood and the words of um, uh, Radha in a way that um, emphasizes the serving nature of. Of, of Radharani and of that is central to Rasa. It means is a service. In simple language, Prabhupada used to say, of course, that if you love someone, you serve them. So some forms of love may not look like service, but at the heart, of course, they are. And that's important to note because we're not going to attain, for example, I, 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 I heard of a fellow who was um, sitting for his uh, practice observing young uh, young schoolgirls, because he wanted to become a handmaiden hmm, of Radha, he would have been better probably off washing dishes or something, uh, and cleaning the floor and developing a, a serving attitude, um, <laughs> rather than thinking that this is this is the uh, this was not the way this has not been recommended <laughs> by Rupa Goswami um, as uh, part of the path. There is the Cheto Darpana. Arjunam, marginum, cleansing of the heart, by which um, uh, which will result in other developments. So, and nam is the principal method for doing that, and that is just what the nam does, like an interior decorator who first comes and says, "Okay, throw everything out. Let's clean the room." Decorating nam will also do, but that comes comes later or proportionate to the cleansing so then there's the there's the decorating um, so there's some heavy lifting if you will um, it's beautiful to talk about the higher ideals but if we want to talk seriously about going there the audience will get will shrink um, unfortunately um, uh, so uh, at any rate um, 
it is a land of spiritual taste, variety, and so forth. And at the same time, the ground of it, if you, if you will, is this um, serving ego. So to, very simply, you want to replace the, the enjoying ego, which fosters pride and um, intends to uh, make oneself feel different from and above the world, objects, others, and so on and so forth, that are seen through those eyes as for my enjoyment and so forth. This enjoying ego, that needs to, well, I should say the best way to replace it, the comprehensive way to replace it is by the cultivation of a serving ego. In the Gyan Mark, we try to get rid of the enjoying ego by just turning it off. It's kind of like a you know, cold turkey, something like that. I don't want to say that we offer the methadone of bhakti, but uh, <laughs> so that it wouldn't be a really com- com- complete uh, 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 explanation. Um, but we offer the, I guess we could say, the, the um, real love in place of the false love. Indeed, I think it's, in a, it's, it's a point worth um, stating uh, not that I haven't stated it before, but one, in a sense, is justified in 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 lacking motivation for the idea of jnana and yoga, for example, that culminate in citta vritti. To use a, from the sutras of yoga, niroda, to remove the, the vrittis from the citta and be peaceful. Um, because uh, both of those schools, Gyan and Yoga, are not schools of, of, of love any, beyond the idea that not taking is part of giving, and love is about giving. So um, the point I'm making is, one's justified in saying, at least I, I can have a semblance of love, this is a, a devotee kind of disposition. <laughs> At least I can have a semblance of love. I'll stay in the material world if perfection and the ideal and transcendence and so-called enlightenment is devoid of love, as peaceful as that may be, in comparison to the facsimile or the or the the, uh, the counterfeit love. Still, there's a trace of, of the of the experience in the counterfeit love and makes the world go round, and so I lack the motivation for for the work at hand. But if we give the full, the real, the real currency, so to speak, in a doctrine that that affords us, through its pursuit, actual love and the full face of love, and all the sentiments and so forth that are as powerful and compelling, absorbing as they are, um, and many of them in comparison even to reverential love, agape, godly love, and so forth. Hmm? Can we not have a corresponding love of God that's so compelling hmm? that in the Gopikas, for example, example, they try to get Krishna out of their mind forcibly. This is their their yoga. And they can't, rather than trying to get him on your mind, to get things out of your mind, to give him up too. 
um, as it is in, in, in some schools. So, um, so the point is that that the serving ego is very the idea of overcoming or doing away with the enjoying ego is most comprehensively approached by the counter of uh, developing a serving ego. I've given an example before. If you if you want to take all of your um, enjoying disposition, your karmic tendency, and bury them in a hole and cover it up and so forth, then there's still a chance that something might grow up again. Hmm? But if you do that and then build a temple on top of it and do kirtan, so there's, nothing's going to come up again. Hmm? So there's, it's said in the sports world that they're the best defense is a good offense. Hmm? So bhakti is very much an offense, if you will. It's, per, it's proceeding, chasing after um, Krishna rather than running away uh, from um, um, karmic uh, implications, uh, sense objects, and so on and so forth. Sacralizing the world, really. Hmm? Um, and so, uh, this is the idea. This, this, is the, this is the basis of the rasa, right? It is a serving disposition, even though it expresses itself in ways when it becomes very intense that, that may not look like service. It doesn't look like Mother Yasoda is serving God when she ties him up, chastises him. He wants to do something else. He's got things to do. He doesn't want to be tied up today. <laughs> or any day for that matter. So it doesn't look like it on the surface, but you have to look underneath the surface, of course. Therefore, Bhagavatam says, what Nityam Bhagavatam says, but you have to study this very carefully to understand what's what's between the lines, what's going on underneath the surface. And, and uh, so some emphasis is appropriate on developing the serving ego. And so in the context of Mahaprabhu, realizing his ideal, Krishna, Realizing as ideal in the form of Mahaprabhu to taste Radha's love for him from her vantage point. It's a huge adventure, very ambitious um, um, idea, and it requires a, a, a whole ex, a, a, an extension of his of his leela hmm, that basically is a testimony to the failure of his own leela in terms of its facilitating him as the person, Rasaraj, because he experiences in it that, that somebody's tasting Rasa more than me. I'm God, I'm supposed, that's supposed to be my position, so forth. We've, of course, discussed this many times. And this is Gaurali, as beautiful as it is. And so when Mahabrabhu, at the end of Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find he's reached his ideal. There, the Shikshastakam is basically basically a summary of the whole what the whole book is teaching, and in the last verse of Shikshastakam, he realizes his ideal and he speaks the words of Radharani. So he's entered into the Bab of Radharani. How does it play out? How is it? How is it um, expressed? It's expressed with an emphasis on that her loving disposition is one of selfless service, and therefore. Those statements are made there that, that oh, if another gopi, in the explanation of the, of the, of the verse, um, if Krishna tramples me and he, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't uh, ignores me, I'm his servant anyway, hmm? I have no other position, and if another, if another gopi 
if he wants to associate with her, and I I bring her there, hmm? right? These kind of these are the implications of his last uh, verse, and some of the direct um, statements within it. So it's emphasizing the the goal in in such a way that at the same time the way is emphasized. Hmm? That it's a cult, in other words, it's a cultivation of a selfless, serving attitude. Hmm? So, if Radharani knows that some other gopi can satisfy him at a particular time, hmm? a particular way, then she'll make that arrangement. If she knows that only I can satisfy him, she'll push everybody away. Look like, hey, you know, who do you think you are? You know, I'm better. But it's all at the ground of this and the. At the core of all this is her extreme serving uh, disposition. And so uh, that's why that is um, um, uh, while when entering into the Radhabhav, he speaks this particular verse. It's very instructive to us about how to get there as far as the jiva can go in that regard. You cannot become Radha, but it is possible by the dispensation of Mahaprabhu to become an attendant of, of Radha and vicariously experience um, her um, uh, union with Krishna in ways that any competitor gopi uh, could not. So, it's, of course, it's a very special uh, dispensation. But uh, again, uh, this is at the core of it. And, when, and, and, and if we look back at kind of the, the center of the book, this is like Chaitanya Charitamrita, if you look at like Bhagavad Gita, you have the Ramananda Samvad, it's like the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, where the where Krishna says, Manmana Bhava Madhbhakto Madhyaji Mam Namaskar, just become my devotee, think of me, love me. This is the king of knowledge, emphasis on Ananya Bhakti in no uncertain terms. Um, and then that same idea, which is what the book's all about, right? It pops up here and there, Ananya Bhakti in this chapter and that chapter, but it's really emphasized in the ninth chapter, in the center of the book, and again it's reiterated in almost the exact same words, at the end of the book. Hmm? So, taking Chaitanya Charitamrita, we have the Ramanam Samvad is like the ninth chapter, and the Shikshastakam explanation at the end is, is like the eighteenth chapter, and so, of the Gita, the conclusion. So, as... Uh, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami is, is saying Mahaprabhu has become Radha and this is what it's about. This is, this is what should stand out to us. Uh, such a selfless serving attitude. If we look back then in um, Ramnan Sambhad we find the same thing. Hmm? As Mahaprabhu is going through the various religious ideals and the means to get there describing the, 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 the sadhana Practice and the sati, the goal, and and or, or, as he's asking about it, and Ramananda's describing various religious goals and practices. Mahaprabhu says, "I don't like that. I don't like that. That's good. That's good. Go on. Go on." When he starts talking about Ananya Bhakti, he says, "Go on. Go on." And we go through Dasya, Sakya, Batsalya, Madhurya, and then within Madhurya. And where does he end up within Madhurya? He ends up what he calls Saki Bhav. If you look at it carefully, what he's talking about is is Manjari Bhav. Because of course he, he explains that these sakis are such that they will never directly um, have union for Krish- with Krishna. Hmm? Um, this is only the attendance of 
of the uh, of a group leader like the Manjaris of of Radha. So the point, anyway, here is that it's the his emphasis in speaking about that ideal. Hmm, in, in, in some ways that are important, of course, and interesting, the, the emphasis is it's a selfless, serving disposition. You can't miss this. It's, it's, just, it's just like a like a siren going off in the middle of the book there and at the end of the book. Hmm? Some people miss it, unfortunately, but it's hard to. Hmm? So, um, and, and practically speaking, really, the serving ego is the end of all problems because... Our life is based on, in terms of our enjoying ego, trying to acquire happiness, enjoyment, and trying to avoid distress. That's basically what we do. And the serving ego has has no place for either of those. It solves the whole problem. Because when we serve, we're serving someone, so all that our life is about is to please them. Whatever pleases them is what our life is about. So it doesn't matter if it's unpleasant or it's pleasant. Hmm? If it's pleasant work I have to do or it's unpleasant work I have to do. It, make, it makes no difference. Truly, properly understood, the serving ego solves the whole problem. Just in a simple way as I'm speaking about like I've given the example of Juan, who you know was in, in Madhavan. He was one day he was working for us, and he had been digging um, trenches for infrastructure and so forth. So the next day I said, "Well, you know, yesterday you did that was hard work. I thought I'd give you something easier today." He said, "It doesn't matter." He said, "My work is to please you. You are the jefe, so my work is just to please. It doesn't matter." If it's hard work or easy work, it really doesn't matter. Hmm? So this is <laughs> this is how we very simply, if you will, solve the problem. Of course, you have to have the perfect master. That is that is Krishna. Bring him into the the picture. Another way to look at it is our problem is is a false sense of proprietorship. If you're a decent person and you know something belongs to someone else, then your tendency to take it for yourself yourself will be diminished. Hmm? So, bringing in to the picture the proprietor, hmm? and such a qualified proprietor, and a qualified enjoyer, <laughs> as Krishna, that's why he's depicted as such. He's such a qualified enjoyer, you can't compete w- with him. Hmm? So, they say in English, if you can't beat him, then join him. Hmm? And this is how to join him in service. So this is very central, and and so this is at the core of Radharani's various um, movements and sentiments and so forth, which do include what appears to be sometimes contradictory um, ways of dealing. So she'll want to foster someone else, uh, Lalita Saki, having a rendezvous with Krishna, and um, and she'll be upset if 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 Krishna is known to have. Um, met with Chandravali along the way and got sidelined from, uh, you know, from from the the date that had been arranged already. With so many people orchestrating that with such fine detail and at risk, <laughs> for that matter, as as, as well as, as the Leela is is, is 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 full of that they might be caught and so on and so forth. And then he goes and gets distracted, and so she's upset. And her upsetness. 
sometimes has reason and sometimes without reason. Ahitu, ahitu's job. Hmm? Hmm? With reason, without reason. Hmm? So, ahiriva gati prema sabhava gati It moves in a crooked way, the love. Looks like this, looks like... Lovers quarrel. You don't want to get in the middle of that, right? <laughs> because it's love. And so you think, they don't love one another, I've got to sort this out. He's bad. She's good. Then they end up, you are bad. <laughs> you are bad. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, so there's a necessity for that. And, it, and it's very pleasing to Krishna. So, it arises in, in Radha at, at, at times, and there has to be an opposition party in order to facilitate it. But her, her ego doesn't change in either case. She knows he likes this. She knows, and of course, it's not like I know he wants to be me to be jealous. So I'm going to be not like a calculated thing. It, it doesn't work in, in that way. But um, but she is the very fullest face of the of the sarup shakti that ex- that lives only to orchestrate whatever and arrange whatever is necessary for his pleasure. That's like following him like a shadow, anticipating, hmm? even before he he knows it, hmm? um, what he wants to taste and, and facilitating and so forth. So, does that help? Okay. Yes, something further? Because um, we, we know a lot of stories where Radharani is getting mad and jealous and these kinds of moods. Since Krishna is Rasaraj and he he wants to experience all the different tastes, uh, I don't know even and I never heard even one story where Tadarani gives him the opportunity that he can be jealous. Doesn't he want to taste that as well? No. He doesn't want to be jealous? No. He tastes jealousy from his perspective. Hmm? There is no there's no, there's no, there, there is no competitor. There is one center. Hmm? Everyone moving around the center. Hmm? Rani can't. It doesn't have another center. It's impossible, you see, for her to have another center. It's absolutely impossible. Therefore, even the husband of Radharani is 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 a partial manifestation of Krishna. So, he is the object of love, and in in bhakti rasa, and all the love moves around him. So there there is no other center. Now, could we create an illusory center? Hmm? Um, no. No. Krishna does not taste from. He tastes Madhurya Rasa, but he doesn't. He tastes the man in the context of Radha and um, and um, her jealousy of him, but he does not. No. No place for that. There's no place for another center, for a competitor of Krishna. There's a place for an apparent competitor of, of Radha, but there's no place for a competitor of Krishna. Krishna is Rasa and Rasika, so he tastes all the Rasas. 
from his vantage point for who he is. He is the center. If there was another center, then even an illusionary center, that would create a lot of a lot of problems in Rupa Goswami's scheme <laughs> of, bhakti, of bhakti rasa. There is no Satan here. Well, I guess there's a Kali and all that. That's for the material world. But uh, there's a Kamsa, but uh, he's not very handsome. <laughs> what else? What's the time? This this is kind of kind of uh, in relation uh, to this topic. Uh, in well, in a lot of Prabhupada's books, uh, uh, there is the you know, he he emphasizes the return to Godhead, return to Godhead. And so there's a lot of, in his commentary. There's a lot of that is set up as a as a goal. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gets you know. Commentaries on this, and it's pervasive and within discussions with devotees, and devotees talk about um, returning to Godhead as, as the ultimate goal. Um, but also, like we were just talking about, extolled in like the Shikshastakam and Bhakti Vinod's writings, the, the, there's this other quality and that is to not wish for liberation. To, to, to serve and you know it doesn't matter if I'm in the material world if I'm in the spiritual world I'm, I'm serving and that's the, the attitude um, that's extolled and glorified um, and so I'm wondering about the kind of how those harmonize and, and the you know how they relate to each other um, and, and what does it say yeah you know, what does it say to the practitioner. Well, there's um, a couple things to consider. One is that properly understood, the desire to attain the prem, prem prayojan, the ideal, hmm? to go use other phrase as you have to go back to Godhead, um, which incidentally is a is a fra- is a phrase that Prabhupada came up with and named his. Um, flagship, is that what it's called, magazine, um, Back to Godhead. It's interesting to note, as, as an aside for a moment, that the, the context in which he uh, came up with that was um, uh, reflecting on the state of the world hmm, uh, in and around after World War II. So World War II you know, was... Um, the world was consumed by by such a thing, and so he said, "We need to go back to God, back to God." And his term for God was the Godhead. We need to go back to Godhead. We need to return to our fixation on God, and this is beyond rather than nationalism, for example. There needs to be nationalism in the context of devotionalism or something that. There's a, there's a practical side. Hmm? We can say, you know, all nation, nation nationalism is a problem, and it is, but it's only, it's a necessary uh, thing as well, um, and other aspects of material identification. The idea is not to let them have the upper hand um, and be the all in all, but them, you can have a nationalism in the context 
of a, of a, of a um, spiritual ideal, and then you can manage things properly, and so on and so forth. So at any rate, um, he was thinking the world's becoming godless, and um, and and see the result. Uh, so we have to return to God. It was nothing about, as some devotees misconstrue, and I'm just mentioning says this as an aside that we were there. Now we need to return back. See, he said back to God. What did he mean? That's what he meant. And you can look that up in the in the in the in Back to God early Back to God magazine, the original one, where he explains that interesting point, um, and an example of how some of his students uh, misunderstand um, a phrase of his and then make a new uh, philosophy out of it, but. Properly understood, going back to God or attaining prema is attaining the service attitude. That's what it's about. Hmm? Now, when devotees say, I want to go back to Godhead, then they don't understand that. Hmm? And their expression of that is, I, it, if, you, if you listen carefully to it, if you can hear their heart or feel their pulse when they speak, and what they're saying is, I want to go back to Godhead, is I want to get the heck out of here. Mm, this is bad. Um, then, then that's not going to get them back there, and that's not what it's about. Mm, that is like a gyan orientation. Let me get away from something, um, get away from the problems, rather than seeing problems as 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 as, as new opportunities to serve. Mm? Here's another opportunity to serve, rather than something I have to get away from. You see how deeply ingrained the service attitude has to become and, and how little it is within us because we, we tend to want to take the simple route or we don't want any more problems. <laughs> and, and there's another mindset. All well, the problems are, they're not problems. They're just another, another opportunity to serve in another way and, and, and so on. So, so there can be that um, kind of haunting, if you will, of the heart of the sadhaka where the, the the motivation is is uh, um, is in a kind of an escapism, and um, and that can be very much overcome with sambandhagyan and in Rupa Goswami's definition of uttam bhakti cannot be covered by gyan and and and. And, uh, and, and and karma, gyan karma di and avritam. This is a marginal characteristic. So again, we're back to that point, and it's it's you brought up a relevant question, as you understood the service attitude. So properly understood, what what is back to God, and what is Vrindavan? And again, we were just talking about it. So the two properly understood service attitude and going back to God, if you will, are are the same. Hmm? When we think of them as differently, un- even unconsciously, then that's that's the problem, hmm? and that's our tendency because we come into the bhakti marg from moving on the two tracks of material life of boga and tyag, and karma and jnana are methods to hone the boga, to hone the tyag. Boga means to enjoy, and tyag means to give up. So we, these are two coins or two sides of the coin of material life. We we we, we anchor after something to enjoy it and then we 
get tired of it, and we reject it, and we go back to it, unfortunately. Puna punas charbita charbananam. Chewing the chewed, Prahlad called it. So, then there are, they're looking at these two tendencies or tracks on which our life moves, the scriptures have developed paths. The boga path, the tyag path. So if you want boga, go to the scripture. If you want tyag, go to the scripture. Hmm? If you look carefully at the scripture, you find it's not about either one, or it's about including them both in a wholesome way within the context of bhakti. Because within bhakti, within love, there is action or karma and enjoyment. Hmm? And there's also practical uh, foregoing of things that aren't conducive to love. So there's tyag. Hmm? So bhog and tyag are found in a healthy way within love. Outside of that, there are the two tracks on which material life runs. We can hone that material life in the in the in the path of boga and live for a long life in heaven and get a million sons and daughters and whatever. Or we can move away from the problems with that hmm, that aren't done away with, because even live a million years or a billion or ten billion. It, it's a fraction of time in comparison to eternity, so you have to. It has to end. So the wisdom is that has to end the whole thing, however good it seems. You know, it's a problem. So the wisdom side, then the tyag, move away from that, and that's a path that brings us to sattva. The karma path is under rajaguna, mode of passion. The the the, the, the gyan path and the tyag is under Sattva. Hmm? But neither rajas or sattva can give nirguna. Neither, none of the gunas can give that which is beyond the gunas. Hmm? And bhakti's condition, status is nirguna. So only when bhakti energizes sattva guna and enables it to do something that it cannot do on its own, can the jnani, by factoring in sattviki bhakti, go beyond um, sattva guna. Hmm? There's a theory that they can go beyond Satvaguna. There's a theory that by by cultivating vrittis, samskars, impressions that are favorable to practice, and avoiding samskars and activities that create samskars that are in the Rajaguna and the Tamaguna and are not conducive to spiritual practice, that I can get free from Rajaguna and Tamaguna, yes, and then I can let go of the sattva guna mm-hmm. and just pop out, so to speak, <laughs> into, into transcendence. I can use it as far as it's helpful and then let go of it. But the scriptures don't support that uh, idea. Mm-hmm. Unless that sattva guna, it, it does not have that kind of efficacy, that kind of power to take one beyond itself, mm-hmm. to give you a power that's beyond her own power. How can sattva give you power? Even in the, even in the teaching, in, 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 in this uh, gyan marg that is sometimes posited, devoid of bhakti, even in the teaching there, it's understood that sattva guna can't give you the nirguna. It doesn't have the power in itself. There's the power to, uh, to bring you to a certain point and then she has to be like, where are you going to get the power to let go of her and go beyond her power? So, 
the idea then that bhakti has to be factored in in some way. Bhakti takes a uh, guna bhuti bhakti. Bhakti takes the form of sattva guna and empowers sattva guna in a way that unto herself she is not. And then one can attain sojamukti, merge into Brahman, for example, hmm? as some um, desire. So the path of gyan and the path of karma, the two tracks in which material life runs, we're moving on those paths. We come into bhakti, and then so there's a tendency to understand bhakti in terms of karma, in terms of gyan. Hmm? And then that's the filter through which you'll hear and, 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 and get it, but not get it. Hmm? And it's really a simple point, but it's not easy to get. Some of the you know, most profound things are, are the simplest, like, where's my hat? It's on your head. Oh, oh, oh okay. Something like that. Shino Marsh used to give the example of uh, Alexander the Great, who became great by conquering in- India. And it was said that he who could uh, uh, sever the Gordian knot, that powerful person could conquer the lands of India. I guess this was in, in Greece, the Gordian knot. I don't know much more about the history of it. but um, so, so many kings came and tried to untie the knot, and they couldn't. And the young, adolescent uh, young man, Alexander, came and said, I can do it. And everybody said, what? You know, and he pulled out a sword and he cut it. And he said, and he conquered it. said about Columbus that about about sailing, you know, to the Americas and not falling off the flat earth, right? That only person could sail the sea successfully would be a person who could stand an egg on its end, which, yeah, you can't do that because it's going to fall over. So Columbus said, I can do it. He took the egg and he went, made a little crack. You know, and stood up. <laughs> you could take an egg and just, just a little bit, and then it'll, it'll flatten one edge. So this kind of ingenuity, this kind of common sense, it's uncommon. Hmm? Sri compared this to, to bhakti. Hmm? And um, we need sufficient sukriti, bhakti sangskar, and influence over lifetimes to have this kind of acuity, would that be the right word? Or mental acuity to that is that is... That is, lands on its feet. It, it apprehends. Oh, this is what is being said here, and and get to the core of what bhakti is about, and not be on the the fringe, looking at it unknowingly from a karma perspective or gyan perspective, and you're hearing certain things, and those are the important things, and and then you, you get a lot of these, a lot of this gyan samskar type, you know. You got to have pure. It's all about purity, and uh, um, and then they think you got to be pure before you can take to bhakti. Bhakti is the most powerful um, uh, means for purification. What are you talking about? So, uh, and uh, an emphasis on austerities and fasting, and you can find some devotees like that, uh, and so forth. Um, Rupa Goswami, what does he say about adhikar or eligibility? to tread the path. He said, you can't be too much of an enjoyer and you can't be too much of an announcer. It's, 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 it's the middle road, you know, balanced. Because in the context of bhakti, there will be enjoyment. If I come to the temple and, I, and I, somebody says, take some prasad, you say, no, I'm fasting. Well, you just made an aparad. 
the Mahaprasadam. You should at least pay your obeisances to the Mahaprasadam. Hmm? If not, uh, you know, honor it by, by, by tasting it. That's higher than fasting. So, um, so he thinks, yes, uh, the fasting will purify me more. Yeah, this is, so this is an example of that kind of... When one of my godbrothers once was visiting with Sridhar Maharaj, um, he was a tall, lanky fellow, and and uh, down below, Sridhar Maharaj's residence was up above, and the temple was down below, and, and it was a codicy, and there was a kirtan going on, and he was famous in his kirtan in Iskon, this devotee, and he had come to see Sridhar Maharaj, and he was waiting for his audience, and the Arctic commenced, and, and um, he was singing in the Arctic, and it was a codicy, and he was playing the drum as he would, and he would leap in the air. Hmm? And so it was reported to Sridhar Maharaj, oh, so-and-so from Swami Maharaj's Prabhupada's student is here. Whoo, he's a big man, and he's leaping in the air, showing the ecstasy, and, you know, and, and, and so forth. So, so he came up for the darshan of Sridhar Maharaj, and Sridhar Maharaj explained to him and so forth, and he said, well, you know, answered his questions, and he said, so you'll, you will take some um, prashat? He said, well, actually it is my custom uh, to uh, observe the near jal, which means to fast from food and drink on ikadasi, and it was ikadasi. And Siddhartha said, ikadasi prashad, you won't, you won't take. He said, it is my custom to, you know, this is my, to observe the near jal. He said, and near jal, and jumping. <laughs> he was like, hmm, where did you get the energy to jump like that? And in near jal, because typically if they do the near jal, you know, sit down, you do japa, you know, you're not in the kirtan jumping around and so forth. And he said, he said, yes. And, and, um, he said, and Shinomars was, was kind of like, wow. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he said, but, he said, and that is my vow, yes, but if you want me to take prashad, kadasi prashad, then I will. He said, oh, he has understood Vaishnavism. Hmm? Very nice. And so he honored the prashad. Hmm? So, um, so yeah. Um, so it's 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 a, it's a serving, serving ego, mm. and um, it you know the two you know karma, gyan, bhairagya, These are like tributaries coming from the mountain that can never reach the Bay of Bengal. The Ganges is like bhakti. They will reach the Bay of Bengal. If they tap into the Ganges, then they, they're, they're full of meaning. But the meaning, the fruit of vairagya, the fruit of knowledge, the fruit of action, hmm, that'll be found in the context of, of, of bhakti. Hmm. Bhakti Devi Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi. Guru Vishnu Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Sisi Gaur Nipinanda Ki Jai. Or Bhakta Vrinda Kijana. <laughs>